0: for any length of time they please, upon the same terms. That the members of the aforesaid corresponding society be, and are hereby informed, that their proposal to pay the postage of their letters and the carriage of their parcels has been deliberated upon by this association, that this association considers such proposal worthy of the great minds from which it emanated, and that it hereby signifies its perfect acquiescence therein. A casual observer, adds the secretary, to whose notes we are indebted for the following account, a casual observer might possibly have remarked nothing extraordinary in the bald head and circular spectacles which were intently turned towards his, the secretary's, face during the reading of the above resolutions. To those who knew that the gigantic brain of Pickwick was working beneath that forehead, and that the beaming eyes of Pickwick were twinkling behind those glasses, the sight was indeed an interesting one. There sat the man who had traced to their source the mighty ponds of Hampstead, and agitated the scientific world with his theory of tittlebats, bats as calm and unmoved as the deep waters of the one on a frosty day, or as a solitary specimen of the other in the inmost recesses of an earthen jar. And how much more interesting did the spectacle become when starting into full life and animation as a simultaneous call for Pickwick burst from his followers, that illustrious man slowly mounted into the Windsor chair on which he had been previously seated, and addressed the club himself had founded. What a study for an artist did that exciting scene present! The eloquent Pickwick, with one hand gracefully concealed behind his coat tails, and the other waving in air to assist his glowing declamation, his elevated position revealing those tights and gaiters, which, had they clothed an ordinary man, might have passed without observation, but which, when Pickwick clothed them (if we may use the expression), inspired involuntary awe and respect. "'surrounded by the men who had volunteered to share the perils of his travels "'and who were destined to participate in the glories of his discoveries. "'On his right sat Mr. Tracy Tupman, the too susceptible Tupman, "'who to the wisdom and experience of maturer years "'superadded the enthusiasm and ardour of a boy "'in the most interesting and pardonable of human weaknesses, love.' Time and feeding had expanded that once romantic form. The black silk waistcoat had become more and more developed. Inch by inch had the gold watch chain beneath it disappeared from within the range of Tupman's vision, and gradually had the capacious chin encroached upon the borders of the white cravat. But the soul of Tupman had known no change. Admiration of the fair sex was still its ruling passion. On the left of his great leader sat the poetic Snodgrass, and near him again the sporting Winkle, the former poetically enveloped in a mysterious blue cloak with a canine skin collar, and the latter communicating additional luster to a new green shooting coat, plaid neckerchief, and closely fitted drabs. Mr. Pickwick's oration upon this occasion, together with the debate thereon, is entered on the transactions of the club. Both bear a strong affinity to the discussions of other celebrated bodies, and as it is always interesting to trace a resemblance between the proceedings of great men, we transfer the entry to these pages. Mr. Pickwick observed, says the secretary, that fame was dear to the heart of every man. Poetic fame was dear to the heart of his friend Snodgrass. The fame of conquest was equally dear to his friend Tupman and the desire of earning fame in the sports of the field, the air, and the water was uppermost in the breast of his friend Winkle. He, Mr. Pickwick, would not deny that he was influenced by human passions and human feelings, cheers, possibly by human weaknesses, loud cries of no. But this he would say, that if ever the fire of self-importance broke out in his bosom, the desire to benefit the human race in preference effectually quenched it. The praise of mankind was his swing. Philanthropy was his insurance office. Vehement cheering. He had felt some pride, he acknowledged it freely, and let his enemies make the most of it. He had felt some pride when he presented...